Welcome back to The Way Podcast. I'm your host, Houston Welch. Today, it's going to be a solo episode. We're going to be discussing uh, the second greatest command. Uh, Jesus uh, told us that is the second greatest command, but of course, he was talking about the greatest command of the, of the old law. We studied last week that the first and greatest commandment of all of the old law was to love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. And we saw or we noticed also that in the New Testament, Jesus added, love God with all your heart, soul, mind and, and strength or, or might. So today we're going to be looking at the second greatest commandment. Now, first thing that I want us to do is where is the second greatest commandment found in the Old Testament? The first greatest commandment is in the beginning of Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy is is a impressionable book. It is an important book of the of the old law. Uh, it is the the last book of the first five books of Moses. And the Shema or the first and greatest commandment is the beginning of all of these commandments that are mentioned throughout Deuteronomy. So everything or all the law, uh, it, it, it starts with love God with all your heart, soul, and strength. Now, the second greatest commandment is not found in a, a memorable or an impressionable place, but rather it's found in Leviticus 19 majority of of those uh, who who read their bible the majority of those who uh, study scripture many of them scave over leviticus a lot of them scave over much of the first five books much of the old testament as well but especially leviticus because it just seems like it's command after command and and we might want to think well these commandments don't really have much to do with us today even though uh, Paul did tell Timothy that all scripture is given by the inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine for reproof for correction and instruction in righteousness so that being every uh, scripture every passage of the old testament every verse every chapter that we read is profitable for the Christian, it's profitable for the Bible student. Now, Leviticus, again, like mentioned before, it's not one of those that we, we think about a lot or that we choose to read a lot because it is just commandment after commandment after commandment. And most of it has to do with the priest and with the Levites. Now, in Leviticus 19, we have somewhat of this, this excerpt. And in, the ver- in verse 1 of Leviticus 19... The Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Speak unto all the congregation of the children of Israel, and say unto them, You will be holy, for I, the Lord your God, am holy. So he, the majority of Leviticus talks about the Levites, hence the, the name Leviticus, and, and the priest, and the, their requirements, their washings, their, their rituals, the rites, etc. But here... God told Moses, speak unto all the congregation of Israel. And then we read about some of these. Um, in, the, in this chapter, there is, it is commandment after commandment. Most of them deals with man's relationship to his fellow man or his neighbor. Some of these commandments that, that, are, that are mentioned in here deal with 
man's relationship to God, such as the latter part of, of verse uh, 3, and keep my Sabbath, I am the Lord your God. Verse 4, do not turn to idols, nor make to yourselves molten gods, I am the Lord your God. So again, these are talking about man's relationship to God. But whenever we come down to verse 9 through verses 18, these are particularly speaking about man's relationship uh, to their fellow man or to his neighbor. So I want us to take the time to, to, to look at these, to view this commandment in its context. Now, the command itself is found in verse 18, uh, you shall love your neighbor as yourself, I am the Lord. But beginning in verse 9, when you reap the harvest of your land, do not wholly reap the corners of your field, neither gather the gleanings of your har uh, harvest. You shall not glean your vineyard, neither shall you gather every grape of your, of your vineyard. You will leave them for the poor and stranger. I am the Lord your God. So here in this very first, uh, this first commandment in our relationship to our fellow man or to our neighbor, it is to leave, leave some of the field uh, for the, the unfortunate, for those less fortunate, for those who, who aren't as blessed as you are, though they are just as blessed, they're not blessed with the same, um, the same things. So you leave this for them so that they can come in together. Now again, this is speaking about loving them. You're doing this uh, as, as an act of love. You're giving to the needy, to the less fortunate, to the poor and to the stranger or the sojourner, the, the, the foreigner, the alien. You're leaving it for those who have need. But notice that you're not gathering it for them. And, and I think that this is one of the interesting parts of this is that he's not, uh, most of the time when we think uh, and we're acting out in a, in a loving manner and we want to, to help the poor, that we do just that. We only, we, we only pay uh, something. Uh, we only buy something for them. But rather than helping them help themselves. That's true love, and that's the point of this commandment. And again, this is all talking about love. If you, if you do these things or you do not these things, it is out of love. If you obey these commandments, each of these, it is acting in love for your fellow man, for your neighbor. So think, think of the, the uh, old adage or the quip, if you, you teach a man, uh, if you give a man a fish, you fed him for a day, but if you teach a man to fish, then he, he's able to provide for himself, roughly speaking. So, and that's the point of, of this commandment in verse 9, is teach a man to fish. Help somebody to help themselves. Help them to get on their feet. Don't just uh, give them a, a meal in passing and, and, and think to yourself, well, uh, there's my good deed for the day. Sometimes that is perfectly acceptable. But if possible, help them more than just a, a, mere, um, a mere gift. 
Give them something that's lasting. Help them to help themselves. And of course, if somebody's not willing to go out and glean the field, they're not willing to go out and and try to help themselves, don't think that it's any righteousness on your part to help them anyway. Help those who are willing to help themselves and leave it there. If they're not willing to help themselves, then they don't want the help, quite frankly. And in verse 11, uh, verses 9 through 10 uh, deal with that. Uh, Verse 11, Do not steal, neither deal falsely, neither lie to one another. You shall not swear by my name falsely, neither shall you profane the name of your God, I am the Lord. You shall not defraud or oppress your neighbor, neither rob the wages of him that is hired, shall not abide with you all night until the morning. So these three verses, they're three separate commands, but I believe that they're all tied into one another. Do not steal, neither deal falsely, neither lie to one another. So again, this is love, and it's love is what is best for the other person. If you if you have love toward your spouse, yes, you may have a a, a sensual love, an eros, a uh, the love that a man would feel towards a woman, a woman towards towards her her man, but if you truly love agape love, the same love that God has for us, it is what is best for my spouse. I'm going to do what is best for them. So if you have a love for your neighbor, you're seeking to do what is best for your neighbor. Of course, you're not going to steal from them. Of course, you're not going to deal falsely. Have a have a have a deceitful deal with them. Uh, neither you're not going to lie to them. You're not going to intentionally deceive uh, somebody and blatantly tell uh, the opposite of the truth to them. And we'll get to more. We'll get more on that when we come down to to verse seventeen. Now, why does he say you shall not swear falsely by my name? This or nor profane the name of 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 your God. How does this correlate to? defrauding my neighbor, neither robbing him. Well, think if somebody was to deal falsely or you're lying to your, to your neighbor. You might swear by God and thereby profaning the name of God. So that's the reason why this is, this is a preceding, preceding remark or, or an interjectory mark between these two commandments, do not steal, deal falsely, and lie to one another. Do not oppress your neighbor, neither rob him. You might uh, also be tempting to, let's say you have somebody and uh, they're working for you. They're an employee and this week was rough for you. And you don't know exactly how you're going to make ends meet. And you uh, uh, say to your, uh, to, uh, your employee, I promise that I'm going to pay you next week. Well, frankly, you don't know if you have the ability to pay them next week. So don't make them that promise. But they have worked for you. And according to verse 13, if we are loving our neighbor and we have, and they, they are our, just so happen to be our employee, we're going to pay them what is necessary. We're going to give them their due wages. Don't withhold from them. As God says, don't defraud or oppress them. James speaks a little bit about this in James uh, chapter five. The the uh, the higher of of the labors, their their cries are coming up to God, the Lord of rest. Don't defraud them. 
Give them what, what, is, what is due to them. Now, verse 14, do not curse the deaf nor put a stumbling block before the blind. You shall fear your God, I am the Lord. This, hopefully, should be self-explanatory. There are some deplorable people, I've witnessed it many times, who mock and make fun of those with disabilities. And this is any disability. Yes, he says the deaf uh, and he says the blind, but just in the same way that you wouldn't curse the blind, in the same way you wouldn't uh, put in, put a stumbling block before the deaf, don't mock or abuse those who are dis, who who suffer with disabilities, any disability, uh, whether it be a physical disability or a mental disability. Don't uh, curse them. Don't abuse them. Don't put a stumbling block before them. Don't mock them. But love your neighbor. Verse 15, You shall do no unrighteousness in judgment. You shall not respect the person of the poor, nor honor the person of the mighty, but in righteousness you shall judge your neighbor. Now this one, clearly we have, we have many New, New Testament passages. God is no respecter of persons. We're to share the same judgment as God to have the same judgment. But notice he says, you shall not respect the poor. Don't respect the poor in the same way that somebody might be uh, tempted to respect the rich. Have righteous judgment. Everybody is worthy of the same judgment. Don't pity the poor and don't honor the, the, the rich. Verse 16 we could summarize that as don't be a gossip, gossip, uh, neither shall you stand against the blood of your neighbor. So don't, uh, don't gossip. If, think of it from the, from the golden rule, treat others or do unto others as men should do unto you. If you don't want anybody to be gossiping about you, backbiting, whatever, or simply just talking about you behind your back, don't do the same uh, about them. Yes, you may know that others are talking about you. And so you may be tempted to do the same and you rationalize and justify it in your mind. That, well, this is acceptable because they're doing it to me. Vengeance is mine, says the Lord. You have no right. If you have love towards your neighbor, you will not be a gossip about them. And... Uh, one sign that you do not have love uh, for your neighbor is that you are gossiping, that you are a tailbearer. Even as minor as you may think it is, you may think that it's no harm. The best thing to do is just keep their business out of your mind. Except, verse 17, you shall not hate your brother in your heart. You shall in any wise rebuke your neighbor and not suffer sin upon him. Now, am I my brother's keeper? Absolutely. If I know that my neighbor is sinning, it is my obligation to steer them in the right direction. Now, for the children of Israel, this was a certain command, and that if one person was sinning, that they were to, they were to steer them in the right direction. The same goes for the Christian. We're trying to steer everybody in the right direction. We want to, in, in a loving manner, help those who are in sin. 
And if we turn a blind eye, if we choose to overlook sin or ignore it, that is in no way loving our neighbor. And then verse 18, You shall not avenge nor bear any grudge against the children of your people, but you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Now, I want us to to bid the question, Who is my neighbor? I don't believe it's wrong for us to ask that, though it was wrong for a particular lawyer or a student of the law to ask this question. In Luke 10, we read about a certain lawyer that stood up and tempted Jesus while, while Jesus was teaching, saying, Master, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said unto him, What is written in the law? How do you read it? And he answering said, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus said unto him, You've answered right. Do this and live. But, verse 29, according to verse 29, he willing to justify himself, said unto Jesus, And who is my neighbor? And Jesus gave the, the well-known parable of the, of the Good Samaritan. And I want us to ask that question. Because Jesus, even though this man asked it uh, wickedly, he asked it willing to justify himself, Personally, I do not believe that it is a bad question to ask. One of the things that I will mention is that throughout the New Testament, we read about four different groups of people that we are to love. Uh, God, our neighbor, our enemies, and our brother. So knowing that there are all of these and three among man, our neighbor, our enemies, and our, our brethren, it's good for us to ask, who is our neighbor? And I believe that's the reason why Jesus gave him the answer. He gave it in the answer. He gave the answer in a parable of a good Samaritan. Jesus answering said, A certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell among thieves, uh, which stripped him of his raiment, wounded him, so they left him naked. They, they beat him, departed, leaving him half dead. So this man was on the brink of death. They beat him that bad. And he's laying on the side of the road naked. And by chance, there came down a certain priest that way. When he saw him, he passed by on the other side. Likewise, a Levite, when he was at the place, came and looked and passed by on the other side. But a certain Samaritan, as he journeyed, came where he was. And when he saw him, he had compassion and went to him bound up his wounds, pouring in oil and wine, set him on his own beast, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. And then on the morrow, when he departed, he took out two pence, gave to the host, said, Take care of him, and whatsoever you spend more, when I come again, I will repay. Which now of these, Jesus concluding the parable, do you think was neighbor unto him that fell among the thieves? And he said, the lawyer answered, He that showed mercy on him. Then Jesus said unto him, Go and do likewise. And one point to precede what our, our coming remarks. Most people miss the point of this parable. Jesus told him, Go be a neighbor. If you want to be somebody uh, worthy 
of somebody else's love be a neighbor? Now, how do we be a neighbor? So, there are a few things in here that we can draw out. But I want us to keep this in mind. Love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And if you were lit with Lima and, and, and myself last week as we went through each of those and we discussed the heart, we discussed the soul, we discussed the mind, we discussed, we discussed the might or strength. We went through the heart first. The heart is the emotional aspects of the mind. So in verse 33, when the Samaritan came, when he saw him, he had compassion on him. So in the first place, he loved this man with his heart. So then he says he went to him, he bound up his wounds, pouring in oil and wine, set him on his own beast, took him to an inn, took care of him. If you were with us last week, we discussed, or in, in, as we discussed, the, the soul. What is the soul? Well, the soul is your life. It is your physical vitality. But as we made reference to James chapter 4, what is your, what is your life? It is but a vapor. It's here for a moment and then it's gone the next. James says our life is just but a short time. So what is your life but the time that you have? So this Samaritan, he loved him with his heart. He had compassion on him. But then he also took the time. Now we, we often uh, we, we make the comparison that well, we would be like the, the, the priest and the Levite because most of us are so busy today. We just want to go on. We have things we've got to do. But this Samaritan took his time. He loved the man with his life. Then it says that he bound up his wounds, pouring in oil and wine. So he took the proper care to, to, to see that his wounds would not get infected. He bound them up, made sure that he wasn't going to bleed out, and he put in oil and wine. This takes some, some thought. It takes some intellect. This Samaritan had prior knowledge on, on how to take care of, of somebody, how to, to care for wounds. He loved him with his mind, with his intellect. Not only that, he set him on his own beast, brought him to an end, and on the morrow he took out two pence. So... He also paid, and as we notice, he set him on his own beast. He used his own might or his own strength, but his ability. He cared for him in his own ability or his might or his strength. So he loved this man. The Samaritan loved this man with his heart. He loved him with his soul, giving him the time. He loved him with his mind. He, he used his intellect to care for him, and he loved him with his strength, with his ability. He paid uh, for whatever was necessary to make sure that this man had the proper care. So that's how we love our neighbor, as ourselves. We can't love them to the full extent that we, that we love God. We shouldn't love them to the full extent that we love God. We love God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. But I believe that it is just as easy to say, that we love our neighbor with our heart, soul, mind, and strength. But be a neighbor.
That's the most important point. Go and do likewise. Love others as you uh, love yourself. We do appreciate you for, for tuning in to The Way Podcast. Go check out some of our sistering podcasts. Perhaps you might want to check out the, the Far Better Podcast or the Transform Podcast or maybe even the Diligent Podcast. Uh, please uh, give us a, a like and a share on Facebook. You can check out our, uh, our website, scatteredabroad.org. And we, if you need to reach out to us in any way, our information is out there. We have uh, dis- uh, the links in the description down below of how you can reach out to us, whether by email or some other way. We do appreciate you for tuning in. If you believe that this episode might help somebody, share it with them. Please do that. We do appreciate you, and have a good day.